You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is Up in the Rafters, where I'm joined by Carolina basketball legend and 2017 national champion, Justin Jackson. Today, we also have a big special guest. We have... Mr. College Basketball himself, Tate Frazier, another Carolina alum, the host of the One Shining Podcast on the Ringer Network. We're going to preview this NCAA tournament with Tate for UNC fans that still want to follow the tournament and maybe help them fill out a bracket so they can win their work pools or whatever pools they have with their friends. No Carolina. We were kind of talking about a pre-show selection Sunday. It's normally a joyous day once that bracket comes out. Not so much this year. How did that affect your general feelings when when you first saw the bracket come out? First off, I would like to say Justin Jackson, 2017 national champion, is the face of college basketball in my mind. You know what I mean? I, I still I still beckon back to a better time in college basketball. But yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, selection Sunday. No Carolina blue on the board. Uh, other than the first four out, you hate to see that. I keep going back to a number that I love. That's 131. That's the the most tournament wins all time. North Carolina has that record. So uh, hopefully Kentucky loses in the first round and they have no chance to break that. But uh, yeah, it's a tough year. We expected more. We hoped for more. It's 2023. It's a Jordan year. We all thought that this would be the year that we go to Houston, get some redemption for 2016. It's not going to happen, but uh, it's still going to be a good tournament. And we can all, you know, we can all be good sports, right? That's the best thing we can do. That's what Roy Williams and Dean Smith and Coach Davis would want. So we'll be good sports. We'll watch the tournament. We'll support and uh, we'll pull against Duke. That's all we can do. <laughs> Justin, I want to ask you, how do you fill out a bracket? Do you go round by round or region by region? Um, Normally, I just go round by round. Um, and normally... Years prior to this year, I think I realized as I was filling out this bracket that I'm not very, um, I don't think I'm like certified to really be a legit college basketball um, bracketologist. Um, I just, there's some teams on here, I don't think I watched a single game, uh, to be honest. I was so like focused on UNC. Um, But yeah, I just take it round by round. And sometimes I take, you know, I'll pick like two or three upsets that I just really want to see. I really have no idea if they really have the ability to do it. But, um, you know, I got a couple in there. So we'll see. We'll see how this bracket turns out. Hey, what's your, what's your viewing like for college basketball? Because I love the sport, but even sometimes I feel overwhelmed once Selection Sunday comes where it's like Kansas State felt like a, a top 25 team all year. And it feels like I didn't even watch them. Yeah, how, are, how are you kind of taking in college college basketball? with the college basketball podcast. 
Yeah, my goal and my hope is to to watch at least one full game of every team that's going to be in the tournament. That's kind of how I I view it. So, and and I'll check back in like as injuries, uh, as we know, things evolve during the season. Usually, have you your guys in January. There'll be one guy that opts out or or transfers, like Sky Clark at Illinois this year. There's always one of those storylines you have to keep up with. But um, yeah, I mean, even when I look at this bracket, like there's a team in Utah State that I wish I watched one Utah State game. I wish I knew more about Utah State. I wish I knew more about Boise State. Those are probably two teams that I would say are my blind spots. But for whatever reason, when I saw Northwestern Boise State, I haven't seen much of Boise State, but I'm like, they're going to beat Northwestern. I, I, you know, that, that that's kind of how my brain works sometimes. It's like the less I know, the better, you know, um, with some of these teams. So uh, we're all just throwing shit at the wall at the end of the day, right? Nobody knows anything. It's college basketball. Even the people that do know, know less. And you could convince me just by looking at this bracket that Princeton is going to beat Arizona. And I'm not going to argue it because anything is possible. It's college basketball. That's why it's the best. Yeah. And what I fall victim to when I'm filling out a bracket is if a t- I'm betting on teams, if a team burned me in the one time I bet them, I'm out. Illinois, I'm out. Yeah. I, I watched them one game against Penn State. Probably the only game I saw them. Won't pick them now for, for the tournament. But, Justin, you went to a Final Four. You went to two Final Fours. You went to two championship games. You won a championship. What qualities would you say you're looking for in a tournament team? Um, I think the biggest thing is shot making. Um, when you look at when you look at kind of the teams that we had as far as the success that we had in those two years that we made it to the championship, um, we had guys who could make shots. Um, obviously, we had the legend himself, Marcus, um, in 2016, who hit. If we hadn't have lost the game, it would have been the best shot in the history of college basketball. Um, and then you had myself, who could who could score a little bit. You had Joel, who played really well that game. And then you had a guy like Bryce, who you could give the ball on, on the block and they could go score um, at any time. Um and then it was kind of the same situation the next year. Like you just had Joel, you had myself, you had Isaiah, you had Kennedy, you had a bunch of guys that could just go get a bucket. Um, and so I think that's the number one thing that I see is just shot making. So when I look at teams, if I see guard play that, you know, they can make, you know, take and make tough buckets. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the biggest thing for me is, you know, obviously in the, in the tournament, anything can happen and anybody can get hot. But if you have guys that consistently have been able to score the ball, I think that's going to give you more success through the tournament. Moving to the first region that we'll look at, the South region, Tate, Alabama, they're the number one overall seed. How likely do you think it is that Alabama will be the team cutting down the nets and, and kind of what are the Crimson Tide strengths? I am uh, I am very worried that it's inevitable that Alabama is going to win the national championship. That's how good Alabama is. If you didn't watch the SEC tournament championship game, don't watch it because it'll terrify you about how good they are. Um, Alabama, they they kind of they they are the fastest team in the country. They get the most possessions in the country, and they also have, I think, one of the the best depth in the country. When you talk about their big men, um, you know they got this guy Pringle coming off the bench, and you forget about him half the time. Betty Yako, their big can control games himself. And when you talk about Brandon Miller, he's the best player in this draft. He's a six nine shooting guard when he goes to the NBA, but right now he's playing like a hybrid three four. And sometimes his best offense is taking a three that he misses. He follows his shot. He gets his own rebound, and then they get another possession because that's what they do. They just want to have as many possessions as possible. 
The thing about Alabama, though, is that they have a kryptonite in there in the South, which is a team that we're all familiar with. We all know them very well. It's Tony Bennett's Virginia team. If Virginia gets matched up with Houston, I think they're the one team that can squeeze the possessions out of this team, show how young they are by limiting those possessions, and then maybe, just maybe, Virginia can sneak by and get a win over them. But I'm very worried about Alabama just running through this tournament because that's how good they are. Well, I, I guess my going to the Virginia. So I have hard feelings towards Virginia just from having to play against them. I love <laughs> Coach right. Bennett and that staff. They're super cool. But I honestly, I, I don't know if I can believe in Virginia to make it that far, man. Like I, right. I think when I look at the bracket, like I, I feel like I'm kind of worried about that first round. Like, Perfect. you know what I mean? Like, I just like going back to my whole shot making thing. I just don't know if they've got enough scoring. Like, obviously, you, your pack line defense is great for the regular season, but you got to be able to score the ball, right? Like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts you're, are. You're you asking a lot of Reese Beekman, basically, right? At this point, you're hoping that Reese Beekman is a guy that, that makes some shots for you or that Kihei Clark, who's been there since you were playing, can make some <laughs> exactly. shots. Um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, that, that is, that's my concern as well. It's like Virginia is the kryptonite of an Alabama team, just the way that they play. But also, can they beat Furman? And then if they beat Furman, can they beat San Diego State, right? You know, Or beat Charleston, whoever they get matched up with. Exactly. Yeah, and that this the style that UVA plays, they really can't separate from teams. Um, it's why they lose to UMBC. It's why they can win the national title the next year when they have all that talent. So that's always going to be interesting. My my sleeper in the South, Tate. I want to get your opinion on it. Yeah, Creighton. It seems like they're starting to come on strong. They got Nemhard at at their point. Uh, Kalkbrenner as the big. Obviously, Carolina fans are probably going to be watching that that first round matchup against NC State and. and in a, a shocking twist because of the 2011 tournament, they might, they might be rooting for Creighton actually. Uh, what, what's your feelings on the blue Jays? Yeah. Creighton. I love their starting five. Like you said, Ryan Nimhart is a true point guard. He gets steals. He initiates the offense, gets everybody involved guy that can make shots. Their two guy. Trey Alexander is an NBA two guard, maybe a combo guy, but regardless, he can get you buckets. He can get you points. Baylor Shireman is a guy that, you know, he transfers from the, you know, the Jackrabbits. He was looked at Duke. He looked at Kentucky. He should have looked at Carolina because he was the, the perfect Brady Manic replacement. Um, a guy that shoots over 40% from three, takes a lot of threes, makes a lot of threes. Art Kaluma is their power forward. He's a nice switchable four for them. And then, of course, they have a seven-footer in Kalkbrenner. They lost seven games in a row, but that was because Kalkbrenner had mono. So if you look at their record, you say, oh, well, this team – they're not that great, but in reality, they really are. They just had, um, you know, kind of this this weird slip in December. But they took Arkansas when Arkansas was 100% to the brink and then beat them in Maui. Saw that in person. That got my attention. I actually feel bad for Creighton. I thought they got a pretty bad draw to get NC State in the first round. And Kalkbrenner is a very um, finesse big, right? And I think DJ Burns is the opposite of a finesse big. So if you have that matchup, I kind of like that matchup for NC State. But I have seen that if you front DJ Burns, it changes the whole dynamic of who NC State is. And I think Greg McDermott will front him. He'll probably put someone like Kaluma on him, more athletic, and just see what happens and front him the entire time. Um, so that's my only concern with Creighton, with NC State. That's a tough matchup. But if Creighton gets by State, Creighton has a nice path, and uh, they have a great starting five. Worry about their depth, but uh, they got a good coach. They got a great starting five, and uh, they know how to win. So, yeah, they're, they're a scary six seed. 
man, I, I don't know if I can put as much trust in NC State as as you are with uh, DJ Burns, man. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, it is know, NC kind of, State. You know, that's at the end of the day, we know who it is. Yeah. It's NC State. They're going to end up being who we know they are. You know, it's it's one of those things. Um, but I think you know, on my bracket, I've got obviously Creighton. I've got Creighton making it through that. I've got them running into Arizona, which my guy, Coach Rob, is out there, yeah. man. Like, he recruited me – what was that? That would have been 10 years ago almost. Wow. 10, 11 years ago, he recruited me. He was the main guy that I talked to at UNC. Um, so, for me, it's like I, I have to show a little love to Coach Rob, even though he's not in Carolina Blue anymore. Um, and I actually have a shocker. I have them beating Alabama. I, I don't – Maybe it's just me being naive and not watching enough college basketball, but um, I don't know. I feel like, what do you think Arizona, you think Arizona gives this field any kind of fear or do you think they're more of an underlooked type of team? I think the best thing that's happening for Arizona is they might be underlooked. And in reality, they have the best front court in the country. And you mentioned coach Rob, coach Rob is a great big man coach. If you heard Armando Baycott all season long, every time he's asked about his rebounding principles, he talks about coach Rob. So that says something about him. And what's great about Arizona is their big to Bellis runs the court a lot like Tyler Zeller. Um, yeah. He beats everybody down the floor. The, they play a great high low game with him and Balo. He's kind of like a point forward for, um, you know, he, you know, he's going to go left, but he still goes left. He's very, <laughs> you know, he, he's just one of those guys where I, I really like the way that Tubelis plays and orchestrates the offense. The only problem with uh, Arizona is that Kirk Kreese is on the team and Kirk Kreese uh, can shoot them out of any game. Um, I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it live. Um, he, they're, they're the classic. We're up 15 points and Kirk Kreese says, now it's my time. Um, <laughs> And that, that's the only scary part about Arizona. But I have them winning the national championship. I really do. I, and every tournament they've played in this year, they've won. Um, I talked to Tommy Lloyd in Maui. He said that, you know, the lesson they learned last year was to basically stop, you know, stop saying how great they are to each other. Just just consider themselves not to be that good. They win Maui. They didn't play their best. They win the Pac-12 tournament. They didn't play their best. I think in this tournament, you talk about shot makers. They got Courtney Ramey. Kirk Creesa can be a shot maker, even when you know he can be a disaster also. But they got this 17-year-old point guard, uh, Killian Boswell, who's a five-star kid. He kind of is the true point guard, I think, for this team. And as as we get into the tournament, I think he can steady the ship for them. And, uh, yeah, I like Arizona a lot. And uh, I, I feel like a lot more people like Arizona than I thought. Like, even Jay Billis had them winning the championship. So um, maybe, maybe America has figured out that the bigs matter and uh, they get the best bigs in the country. If Arizona is underrated, I've got Baylor as overrated. According to Ken Palm, they have the number two offense, the number one hundred and four defense. A a wow. drastic uh, difference from your offense and defense. When we talked about the the skewed view of a team through the betting lens, I think I bet on Baylor every time they played Iowa State, and every time they got absolutely smoked by <laughs> Iowa State. Are are you of the notion that that Baylor is a little overrated? I think Baylor is the three seed is insane. And if I was the committee, I think Duke should have been that three seed, to be quite honest with you. I think Duke as a five seed after winning the ACC tournament is the, the most ridiculous thing I've ever been a part of. And this whole quadrant system, net system that is basically Big Ten propaganda at this point and Mountain West propaganda, 
I'm over it. And it all starts with the seeding of this tournament. Baylor being a three over Duke, who won the ACC tournament, like I said, that makes no sense to me. I think Baylor's been a little overrated all year. They've had injuries. They don't play defense. They don't have any discipline. They have a lot of uh, five-star blue chipper you know, personalities that are not meshing with the, the guys who have been tried and true in that program. I think Scott Drew's being recruited by other Blue Bloods. I won't say who at the moment. So I think he might be a little bit distracted. Um, I think UC Santa Barbara with Joe Pasternak uh, that's an upset I like to see with the Gauchos. When he took that job six years ago, um, he came from Arizona. He was you know, in the Sean Miller world, but they had won six games, and now they've won 20 straight games, four straight seasons. They should have won in the tournament against Creighton in 2021. They lost by one point. They were up for the majority of that game. So I like Santa Barbara as an upset in the first round there over Baylor. Is is that your biggest upset in the first round for uh, this yeah, region? Th- that's my biggest upset. I I do have a Colgate Texas has my attention, but I I'm I'm afraid to pull the trigger on it. Um, just because Texas has three great guards that can make some uh, very tough shots, but Colgate has my attention as a fifteen too. Wow! Wow! Okay, that's funny because I actually have Texas going all the way to the Final Four. Um, but we've seen you. We all know how tech. We know like if Texas didn't have Texas on their jerseys, I would take them maybe to win the national championship. That's how that talented is- they are. But when That's I see Texas in March, I, I think of Abilene Christian. I think of Nick Young, Todd <laughs> Gibson on USC against Kevin Durant, right? It just it, it's, it's not Texas's fault. It's my own fault for watching them lose so much. That's valid. That is a valid point. I, I think for me, that team that is – it's going to be a weird take, but an overrated team for me is Purdue. Mm. And the reason I say that is because obviously you have big fella who is probably going to win player of the year. He's completely dominated college basketball. But when I look at their guard play, it's like, who are we get, Who are we getting? Right? Like, okay, we've got somebody that can enter the ball into Zach Eady, but if you double and triple team him and he kicks it out, is anybody going to be able to, to produce? Um, so yeah. I actually, unfortunately, I have Duke beating them, I think, in the – what is that? This Sweet 16. Um, but I think for, for me, I think they're one of the more overrated teams, which is a wild thing to say as a number one seed. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Matt Painter um, because he's such a good basketball coach, and they kind of overachieved this year. They weren't even ranked at the start of the year, and now they're a one seed. So it's a little bit unfair. I think you're 100% right, though. And the game that I have circled is Memphis. I think Memphis's backcourt with Kendrick Davis and Alex Lomax, those veterans, they're going to pick up 94 feet against uh, uh, Braden Smith and against uh, Fletcher Lawyer. And they got Brandon Newman, who I think will be a nice piece for them. Mason Gillis is a nice piece, but... Um, yeah, Purdue, I worry about. I worry about the Big Ten in general always when it comes to it, The Big Ten is going to embarrass themselves come tournament time. It's it's what they do every year. Um, <laughs> I'll say what's on everybody's mind. I think what we're all worried about, it feels like this region is shaping up for, for Duke to make a run. You have the weakest one seed in Purdue. You have a Tennessee team uh, where Zakai Ziegler, their starting point guard, out for the year in in a potential second round matchup when when do we start the panic meter for for duke making a run because all of a sudden their nba talent is playing like nba talent tyrese proctor became an an nba prospect overnight it feels like so when do we start worrying about a, a potential duke run tate 
I think we know that Duke, you should go ahead and in pin or as Seth Davis says in Sharpie, go ahead and put Duke in the Sweet 16. We know that's going to happen. They're going to be in the second weekend. And then the Purdue game, I just, I, I pray, I hope, I wish that Zach Eady doesn't have two fouls by the under 15, but we, we know that's going to happen. Zach Eady's going to be in foul trouble. He's going to be on the bench. And then Duke, who played Purdue already this year and lost to them, is going to have the perfect opportunity for a redemption game. John Shire is going to be the darling of the media. We know how this is all going to go. And then we're going to get to the Elite Eight. And uh, and I think at that point, that's when we have to all lock in as America and realize that Shaka Smart, much like Brad Stevens in 20, uh, you know, back in 2010, was our was our one shining hope here. Um, I think Shaka Smart and Marquette have to stop Duke in the Elite Eight. I really do. And if they don't do it, then we have to hope that Arizona, who owns Duke in the tournament, stops them in the Final Four. But I don't want Duke to get to Houston. I don't want John Shire to have the same treatment that Hubert did, being able to make a Final Four in his first year. So uh, please, Marquette. Please, Purdue. Please, Louisiana, when they upset Tennessee. Somebody stop Duke. That's all we can <laughs> What about Max Acemas? Any chance? I think there's a chance, but I think that uh, America's we're all on it. You know what I mean? Like too many people have told Duke how good Oral Roberts is, and they're not going to be surprised by this team. And when you've won 17 straight, you're due a loss. No offense. You know, like even when you win a conference tournament, you go into the tournament, you're almost due a loss. And, and that's that's what uh, that's what I worry about with Oral Roberts. They're, they feel like they're due. Well, I, I think. And this is this is where I think I, I don't know if I'm cut out for bracketology, but. I think Kansas State is our is going to be our savior. I, I honestly, I haven't watched. I don't know if I've watched one game of Marquette. So this is this is kind of a bold take. Um, but I called and and Vip can be my witness. I called Kansas State being my sleeper um, going into the tournament. Mm. Um, and with the way my bracket is going, Kansas State. I have Kansas State beating Duke in the Elite Eight. Um, to then go to the final four. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm putting my hope in Kansas state. Uh, Coach Tang actually recruited me. It's actually crazy now that I'm so far removed from college basketball, how many of these coaches I actually communicated with. Um, I didn't even realize Pasternak was, was a head coach and he recruited me when he was at Arizona. Um, right. But I, the way coach Tang has Kansas state playing, um, once again, guard play, you've got Keontae Johnson. Then you've got some bigs that just kind of play their role. Um, you know, it, it might be a it might be a stretch, but I think I think I gotta put my hope in them. Um, you think they're you think they're a uh, a legitimate contender if they make it through Marquette? Yeah, I think so. And I think they've almost been disrespected a little bit, especially Jerome Tang. I think he, you know, I saw people maybe back in February saying he was coach of the year, but as the end of the season came around, it was less and less, more Shaka Smart, more more other names, you know, Matt Painter being thrown to the front of the fray and not really Jerome Tang. But he's really that dude. He's really, uh, you know, all the players like him. Uh, I appreciated how he approached the Kansas rivalry where he's like, stop talking about Kansas, talk about us. Um, I think that's... <laughs> That's what you like about him. And the cool thing about the bracket, the way it worked out, is if you just put Wildcats in the Sweet 16, you can be right no matter what because Kentucky Wildcats, Kansas State Wildcats, whatever it is, the Wildcats are going to be there in the end. Um, they're a really good team. Keontae Johnson has one of the best stories in basketball. I mean, we all remember what happened at Florida. For him to transfer, for him to come back, for him to be an NBA prospect at this point, thats I don't think we're talking about that enough. Um, so I, I think it also feels like something where Duke could get Kansas state in the elite eight and they already are celebrating, right. They're already like, 
we're going to the final four. This is our year. John Shire, destiny and Kansas state smacks him in the mouth because the big 12 is the best conference. So I like that pick. If, if you're one of the people that bets on conferences, then the big 12 is the conference to bet on minus Baylor. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think the feeling that we all have is it's not going to be Purdue. So if, it, <laughs> if it's not like, let's get that out of our mind right now. It's, it's not going to be Purdue, which means it might be this year. This is the first time we've all decided that it's not going to be them. And maybe it is, you know, that's how it works. So if it's not Purdue, if it's not Kansas state, what, what would the elevator pitch be for a team like Marquette? Because I kind of fall into the trap when I'm filling out my bracket with such recency bias, I just look at the conference champions and I, I get to the final four. And I'm like, Oh, all four of my teams are, are four conference champions. So what would the elevator pitch be for Marquette? Yeah. Marquette at the start of the year, they were a great offensive team, but not a great defensive team. And that was kind of the knock on them. They were like in the hundreds and Kim Palm efficiency, but since February, they've been in the top 30 and they've really turned it up on the defensive end. They can pick up full court. They have depth. Shock is not afraid to trap guys. He's not afraid to speed a game up. He's not afraid to throw wrinkles at you. I, I just think Shaka is an active coach, energized coach, and they have a steady point guard in Tyler Kolick, who's the Big East player of the year. He can get people involved. He can have those, you know, six-plus assist games. Um, they have a big in Igadaro who is a switchable big. He can switch out on the guards. He's very long. They're a very long team. Um, and like I said, they, they really just picked it up on the defensive end. They always had the offense down, but now they're clicking as a group defensively. They've been working with the Bucks. They got like the Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, cloud around them. I like that championship crowd huh. uh, in Milwaukee. I just like what Shaka's doing. So my elevator pitch was would be that Shaka is the coach of the year in my mind, not just in the Big East, but in the country. And uh, and he's probably we're probably going to have a national coach of the year showdown between Jerome Tang and Shaka Smart in the Sweet 16. So whoever wins that game should be coach of the year in my mind. Um, Marquette's got the players. I worry about the Big East being a little bit down, but at the same time, I think they're a really tough team. And, uh, you know, Mar Marquette and Shaka are both due for a run in March. So why not this year? Why not this year? Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I always respect the Shaka. Shaka was uh, one of the most energetic. It seemed like the players liked him the most. Um, yeah. when he went to different programs. So I always liked, I always loved the way the Shaka coached. Um, I think moving to the Midwest – Maybe it's because I know and I've seen games of most of these teams. Um, I think this is going to be one of the more uh, difficult to decipher when it comes to teams making it out of this. Um, right. Obviously, you see U of H number one. Um, but then somebody also that I, 
obviously seeing watching ACC play, I really like Miami. Like mm-hmm. I really like Miami. Um, once again, maybe it's just because I'm biased to the guard play, but um, I really like them. But then you also you see three different Texas teams in here, um, which I'm also kind of biased to being from Texas. But um, who do you think is kind of the the dark horse um, making it out of that Midwest? Yeah, I got Miami coming out of the Midwest, and that's only because of the the situation with Marcus Sasser. And, you know, I talked to some Houston people. They said he's going to be 100%. But when it, whenever there's a growing injury, yeah. it, there's just it's very easy to tweak it. And I don't like that. And he's very necessary to their five. They need him as the one that kind of opens up the, those bigs and open up, opens up those lanes for them. So I worry about Houston a little bit. I don't think they're going to lose, like, to Iowa in the second round or Auburn in the second round. I don't really see that happening. But I think when they play Miami – Miami, if they could get Norchad O'Meara back also, who's, uh, you know, got an ankle injury, and yeah. he's one of their most important players. But I, I apparently he's going to play. Might not play in the first game, but should play in the second game. I think a lot of people are picking Drake to upset Miami, and I think Miami has the talent and the athletes to make Tucker DeVries, who's the coach's son, look like, you know, Bryce Alford out there, right? I, I think <laughs> that's more likely than Drake upsetting Miami, in my opinion. So I, I think Miami will get through there. I think Indiana's got a really tough draw with with uh, Kent State. So I have Kent State beating Indiana, which is going to save Miami in that second-round game potentially. Then they could get Houston. If they get by Houston, uh, you know, they'll have either Texas or I have Xavier um, getting there, you know, in the Elite Eight in the bottom half of the bracket. So I think it could break Miami's way. I think Larinaga's one of the best coaches in the tournament. And he's someone that's going to get the most out of those guys. And you need guard play. You need guys that make free throws late in games. Nigel Pack's like 95% this season yeah. from their line. I mean, they have like all these little things that you check the box. And Larinaga is the king of you go on a 5-0 run when we have an 11-point lead timeout, you know. He just kills momentum all the time. He did it to Carolina. He made us look dumb. So I expect him to make other people look dumb as well. Uh, I like Miami winning in the Midwest. I have to admit, I had Drake in this first-round matchup. The betting line is only minus two Miami, um, probably because of Omir's status being in, in question and how old that Drake team is. But then I, I've, another thing I fall victim to, the social media hype videos. I saw Miami's video, and Justin, I'll have to send it to you after. It's basically them saying, like, you haven't picked us before, don't start now. I saw the video, didn't pick them before, but I'm I'm not <laughs> listening to the video because now I think they're my final four team. I yeah. went from I went from thinking, oh, Drake is gonna beat them to now they do have the experience. They're coming off an Elite Eight appearance, the first in, in school history. I'm down here in Miami. You wouldn't know it because nobody talks about this team really. Um, <laughs> but all of a sudden I'm watching I'm watching that video. And it, it kind of got to me, kind of kind of spoke to me. Um, but Tate, I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned uh, the Omir injury. Do you ever feel guilty about giving people tips when, when they're asking you, knowing that once you tell them something, they're just going to go race and change their bracket? And you have in this in this region, Sasser, a questionable, Omir, questionable. You, you look further, UCLA um, with Clark. How, how do you kind of handle that uh, internal conflict when people are asking you, knowing that you are going to single-handedly change their brackets? 
Yeah, I tell people all the time, I'm down to be the blame. I'm down to be the fall guy. You can you can point the finger at me. I will I will take and I will shoulder that burden because I really don't care. You know, at the end of the day, we we all have no idea what's going to happen. It is the biggest crapshoot in sports. That's why it's so much fun. I could argue either way for every one of these games. That's what Titus and I thought about doing that one year where he picked one team and I picked the other team and we just argued against each other. And, you know, <laughs> it was like that, that would be a show. And and you could argue, you could find stat right? All stats are just cherry picking your own opinion that you already have preconceived and then using these stats to make yourself look smart and, and make yourself feel like you're right. Right. We're all doing that. So, um, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I understand it. I am down to give people the tips, tell them what's going to happen. It's not always going to happen the way that you expect. I mean, UCLA, like you mentioned, Jalen Clark, I don't, I had them winning the championship two weeks ago. I thought they were going to win the national championship. Clark goes down. That changes the whole complexion of their team. But weirdly, if UCLA still went on to the final four and still went to the national championship game, it wouldn't break my brain or blow my mind because because of, of the depth that they have. And the guy who's coming in after Clark is Amari Bailey, who was a top 10 ESPN hundred recruit who scored 26 points in his debut starting in the, in the PAC 12 tournament. You know what I mean? So that that's the other part of this. Even when you have the injuries, there's usually some other guy that steps up. I mean, even with Houston, if Sasser's out, Jamal Shedd that doesn't mean Jamal Shedd's not going to step up and and now score ten more points than he probably would have. Or Tremont Mark steps up, and, or Jarris Walker, who's now looking like a lottery pick, steps up and, and fills that void. So even when you have the things that you can point to and say this injury is going to affect this and yada yada yada, there's still reasons why. I mean, Jordan Miller for Miami might go off in round one, have thirty points, right? And then nobody cares that Norchad's not playing, right? Yeah. We're just like, okay, who cares? You know, <laughs> they got this other guy who just scored 30. That's what I want to talk about. So that's how it works, and we know how it goes in college basketball. So I'm okay with it. And March Madness, they're they're made for these Cinderella type teams where players kind of catch you off guard. I mentioned not watching, I don't think, any Kansas State games. Uh, admittedly, the team that I have watched a bunch, I've watched Kent State probably 10 times just because <laughs> of how much I love sincere carry i've been screaming it from the rooftops to people anytime they ask me about this bracket like if there's one player you have to watch it's sincere carry um what can you tell people about sincere carry because when when i tell people i just say he's a bucket he's he's gonna get you a bucket whenever he wants yeah i think uh you know to to shades of give him another comp that maybe people know it's like a jelly walker who of ua uab fame um you know jelly didn't make the tournament this year they they lost to florida atlantic so i think uh he's one of those guys he's also got the best name in the tournament potentially there there's a lot of good options you got boots radford you got boo booey um you know you got dane danger there, there's a lot of good names in the tournament that you can lean on but sincere carry might be the best and it just feels like kent state was this game was perfectly scheduled for Kent State for the upset. Their coach went to Albany. He graduated from Albany. The game's in Albany, New York. If you ever know anything about Indiana basketball, they hate New York and they hate New York basketball. So you're sending Indiana to New York and against a team that wants some sort of redemption for 2002, has all this history. Their fans are fired up. Sincere carries the perfect player to hit six threes in this game and make, you know, Indiana get tight and lose. So my my thoughts are Sincere carry is one of those guys that is going to be in one shining moment. It's probably going to be, uh, you know, a, a star of the tournament. One of those names we all remember in a, in a couple of weeks. I love that. So you have Miami leaving that that region to yeah. go to the final four. OK, yeah. so I've got Texas. Maybe I like that's a recency bias. 
gut watching them the way that they beat up on Kansas, which obviously moving to the West is the number one seed. Um, I don't really know. I've talked about this a lot. Um, Kansas has obviously, they've been kind of in the conversation of number one, kind of the whole season, um, obviously beat us last year in the championship. Um, I don't know how much I trust them going into the tournament when it comes to, um, obviously you have Jalen Wilson, first team all American. Um, he's going to do what he you know has been doing. But then you've got guys who they've relied on as, as far as Grady Dick, who's been struggling recently. Um, you've got a point guard, which honestly makes me feel old, um, but a point guard that actually played with my brother in AAU um, <laughs> that rarely even looks at the basket to score. Um, and then outside of that, you have a six four five man um, who doesn't score a ton. Um and so I think for me, when I look at this West, I think it's kind of up for grabs. You know, I think it's one of those where it's like even teams, if you were to look look ahead, like, man, if we were to run into the number one seed in our in our region, I'm not too afraid of Kansas. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you, you've probably you've obviously watched way more of these teams um, in this region. But I just that I don't I think that would be my mindset going into this into this region. Like I'm not even if I'm Howard, like I'm not necessarily afraid of Kansas being the number one seed in this region. Yeah. Shout out to Howard first tournament since 1992. I wasn't even born uh, the last time they played in March madness. So I, I was, I was excited to see them in. I think it's fun that they're playing the reigning national champs. That'll be a fun game. Yeah. Kansas. My biggest concern is not really the team and the way they're, they're structured. It's more about their coach. I mean, Bill self had a, a minor heart procedure is what they're calling it. He, he said they had to put stints in, I just think that is a bigger wrinkle than we all want to admit. And I think if Bill Self was 100% and they were playing like they were at the end of February and, and all things were hunky-dory, I would take Kansas to win this region and go to the Final Four. But with that whole sidebar that's going on there and the fact that Grady Dick, like you said, has not been playing his best basketball, he kind of it feels like he hit that freshman ceiling, that wall, whatever you want to call it. So – that is concerning about Kansas, and weirdly, it reminds me of Villanova in 2017. After they the one that they won the championship in 2016, they come back in 2017. They play Wisconsin in the second round. It's a game that they should have won. They just don't play well, and then it gets late. Nigel Hayes has this great, you know, he called it the Michael Jordan baseline spin move, but he did it, you know, at about two times, you know, half the speed. But you know, point point still stands. He got the bucket. Wisconsin wins. They knock out Villanova. It feels like Kansas could have that with an Illinois or an Arkansas, just because Arkansas has legit four NBA players that will be playing in that game. Um, Illinois will have three NBA players that are playing in that game. And I think if you're Kansas, you don't have the same depth that you typically do. You got some guys off the bench. My, my guy, MJ Rice, uh, McDonald's All-American. They got some guards and wings that they can throw in, but they haven't gotten the consistent minutes. They don't have a traditional big. So if Illinois has Dane Danger rolling or, you know, if Arkansas can can find something, you know, from their backcourt with Anthony Black and Nick Smith, that, that could be a tough second-round matchup. I feel like if you're UConn, if you're Gonzaga, you're excited about being in this region. And I think you think it it could break your way. Um, I know UConn plays Rick Pitino in the first round. That's tough. Um, but Gonzaga, the Grand Canyon forgot all their equipment, apparently. So Gonzaga is about to play Grand Canyon without their equipment. So that's a, that's a first round win. If I've ever heard one, that's basically a buy. So if you don't believe in Kansas, 
maybe maybe this is the year you believe in Gonzaga to win that regional because uh, it does seem more wide open, especially with the UCLA injuries too. You know, you you mentioned UConn. They have to get past Iona Rick Pitino in the first round, according to Ken Palm. They're Ken Palm's number four team. Uh, would you say you're you're buying or or selling the Huskies as a, a potential Final Four team from this region? In the same way that Kirk Creesa is a wild card and can you know keep Arizona from winning a game, Dan Hurley is the exact same wild card. I think Dan Dan Hurley could lose UConn a game, you know, just by being too fiery, getting you know thrown out of a game, getting two technical fouls, whatever it may be. Dan Hurley, he can do that, and that's my one concern. And the, and the real concern I have is that he goes up against Rick Pitino, who's more of a, a master than, you know, a peer, right? That's someone that his dad coached along with. So that's strange. The second round game potentially would be against Randy Bennett, who's one of the best coaches in college basketball, has, I think, that most active wins currently in college basketball with Bayheim being gone. So those are two coaches that Dan Hurley is going to have a, uh, an insecurity about coaching against, in my opinion. So I worry about him doing too much and not letting his players who are more talented go win the game for him. If he keeps it in check, I know he's been taking like counseling and things like that. And he, he's trying not to call refs clowns anymore. He said he was going to, he was going to get clown out of his vocabulary. I appreciate that. I'm sure the refs do as well. Um, maybe they, they can put it all together. They had the team to do it. I mean, Hawkins is like a rip Hamilton archetype. They remind me of the 04 UConn team. They have a great inside out game. They have some shot makers. They have some great X factors. Caravan's one of those guys that can get hot for them. I mean, they're a fun team. And and Klingon, the seven footer off the bench, they have Sonogo. They have Klingon. They have two bigs. I think to win this year, you're going to have to have two or three legit bigs, especially if you have to play against a team like Purdue that has Edie. You're going to have to have the fouls. So UConn checks all the boxes to win. They're top 20 uh, defense in Kimpom, top 20 uh, in offense in Kimpom. That's usually a recipe to win the national championship. So if you're if you're a Huskies fan, I think you feel excited, but you're also probably pretty pissed about the uh, the draw that you got when you got Rick Pitino in the first round because you know he's licking his chops. Yeah. So, so my question to you is, do you give Gonzaga a legit shot to make it to the Final Four? Yes. I know they, they – uh, it's hard for me to go with Gonzaga. Um, <laughs> I still have bruises and scars from our game in 2017. But, um, okay, so Gonzaga is a, a legit possibility to make it to the Final Four. I just went on Seattle radio before I went on with you guys, and uh, they hate Carolina, FYI. They, they really – like, if you want to find another team outside of Duke or State that hates Carolina, go talk to a Gonzaga <laughs> fan because um, they do not like North Carolina. They were enjoying asking me about the NIT and things like that, and I was like, okay, all right, let's get to the basketball. But they, uh, they tend to think or seem to think that this team is a title-type team. They like being a three-seed. Um, you know, they were gassing it up. And it, like I said, if you watch them, the WCC title game against St. Mary's, they pressed the majority of the game. Um, and I like Gonzaga when they press, when they push the tempo. Um, they kind of remind me of a Carolina team of past, you know, of the past, uh, you know, era. So I think Gonzaga checks a lot of boxes. Drew Timmy is, you know, the, the classic guy to kind of be the anchor of that team. But the real star of their team to me is their big man off the bench. His name is Ben Gregg with two G's. And uh, he's a very Zach Collins type player. It's kind of similar to the 2017 team where it's like Karnowski was the face, right, of, of their bigs. But Zach Collins, I was a lot more afraid of, right? When Zach Collins was out there, I was like, okay, let's let's get to the, Isaiah. Drive at him, please. Please drive at him. Um, yeah, but uh, Gonzaga could win the title this year. And then Mark Few can do his victory lap for the first time. 
<laughs> that okay. is going to cover all the four regions. I have a couple just general questions yeah. um, that we could all touch on. The first question is, uh, Tate, you could start. Who is the first one seed to go down? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think this is a, I, it goes against what I've been telling other people, but I think the first one seed to go down is going to be Kansas. I think Kansas in the second round against Arkansas, that is, uh, that feels like a must bust special. It feels like Kansas is going to have some questions with Bill Self. And, and I think Arkansas, you know, pounces on that opportunity. And there's a name that we all learn in that game. His name is Jordan Walsh. You might not know him now, but you're going to hear a lot of Charlie Villanueva comps, and that's unfair to him. But he's a great defensive basketball player and uh, a guy that's going to be in the NBA. So I think Kansas goes out first. Justin, what about you? I I hate to do it because it's my hometown, but I see Houston being the first number one to go down. Um, I have them going against Auburn. And the games I've watched Auburn, I haven't been a complete buyer of them. Um, but like how fiery Bruce Pearl is, especially going into the NCAA tournament. And then a couple of those little guards that they have, like how just if they get any kind of run or start feeling good about themselves at all, like it can be a snowball for the other team. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I see Houston going down, which mm -hmm. it might be so false. They might beat Auburn by 40, but, um, I don't know. I think Houston's going to be the first one. Yeah, Auburn's scary. Yeah, we're all we're all going different. I'm going Purdue. It's Purdue. <laughs> In my mind, Purdue has no chance. They, so, so who do you have them losing to? Do you have them losing to Memphis or Memphis? Duke? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, like, I think Memphis yeah. is the most fun for everybody. Most likely, an eight nine is going to catch a one. Yeah, I feel like it happens almost every year. Uh, it's just who who is it going to be? I think the the McCaffrey Pearl matchup is exciting in the first round to see who gets Houston. Uh, but Purdue, there's just something about Purdue, it, and it's the guards. I say there's something; it's it's the guards for for Purdue. Uh, but Tate, starting with you, who would you say is this year's Cinderella, the the double digit seed, most likely to make a a deep run into this tournament? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I also want to point out that Memphis should not be an eight seed. That's that's such a joke. Memphis should be like a five seed or a six seed at, at worst. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I, there's been a lot of high seeds that I try to talk myself into. I don't really have many. My, you know, my bracket's a little bit chalk. I like Louisiana um, as a 13 seed. I think Louisiana could actually upset Duke in the second round, kind of like what South Carolina did, throw them off the sin a little bit. They're kind of a bunch of good old boys, and they're also like 24, 25, played at Arizona. Like Jordan Brown, their starting center, he played at Arizona. Then he or, then he played at Nevada. Then he transferred to Louisiana. So this is his third school. Um, I don't know. Louisiana is one of those teams. They, they have my attention. And then th there's a program that always has my attention just because of the talent that they bring in. I don't really trust their coach as much, but USC, um, I'm close to USC. I go to USC practices sometimes just because I want to see who, <laughs> who the hell they bring in. And they always have like three or four absolute freaks that you're just like, is this, who, who, who is this guy? Where did you get? Like when I saw Evan Mobley for the first time, I'm like, who is this man? <laughs> what is going on? How is he not at North Carolina? Do I, who do I need to call? Uh, you know, so USC is a 10 seed. I think they upset Michigan State. I, I worry about Marquette against USC's length. So uh, yeah, I think USC is a team that could do it as well. Justin, what about you? Who's who's the double seed most likely to make a run? I think I'm <laughs> – 
and this I'm gonna be very I think hypocritical in this situation because shout out Mark's page. Um, I think I'm going with Pittsburgh. Um, huh. The more ACC I think about love. it, I gotta show ACC love. I don't know what Tate's talking about. Big Twelve, Big Ten. What I don't know what he was saying earlier. Um, yeah, we love the ACC, but uh, I don't know. I just think obviously that first the first round matchup against Iowa State. Um, you know, I think they could get through that. Um, I haven't watched a ton of Xavier. Um, I think Xavier gets through Kennesaw State. I've seen them play against my brother's team a couple of times. I think they get through them. So I haven't seen Xavier too much. Um, but I think just watching them, like them in that playing game, uh, what was it, last night, I guess. Um, yeah, I, guess I don't know. I, I think they could just – I think they could surprise a few people. Um, so I'll go with Pittsburgh. Mm, I like I, that. Quick rant, the ACC having five teams. I, this is not me advocating Carolina should have got into the tournament. But five teams is disrespectful for the ACC when they had three Elite Eight teams last year, two Final Four teams. I know the committee is not supposed to judge uh, what teams did the, the year prior, but it feels like at some point the ACC has earned enough respect. Tate, Tate I think you need to be the Paul Feinbaum of the ACC. <laughs> yeah. that's that's why the ACC is only getting five teams we don't have a Paul Feinbaum yeah we have a, we're a bunch of pushovers we, uh, <laughs> we we let the uh the analytics guys bully us um we do not fight them with numbers we fight them with feelings which I think is what's hurting our argument you know what I mean that's, that's I take I tap myself on the chest I'm the one that's fighting them with feelings I I, I want to fight them in real life uh, but I don't know where they are they won't come from behind their computers uh in general, I feel for the ACC. I thought when NC State was the 11 seed against Creighton, and and maybe this is why I, you know I'm not a bracketologist either. Um, I thought Carolina was going to be a 10 seed when I saw NC State as an 11 seed. I really did. I I thought that that was going to lead to Carolina being you know kind of maybe even in the USC Michigan State game. I thought Carolina might be that 10 seed, um, but you know that's neither here nor there. They didn't win the games to, to give them that position, but uh, the ACC should never have only five teams in the tournament and Clemson should be absolutely, I mean, they should be, uh, they should be rioting. They, they should be in Indianapolis right now outside uh, just going insane because I've never seen a team get screwed over so hard and they blew out NC state three times. And look, you know, congratulations. I'm happy for Kevin Keats. He's been nothing but nice to me. I like their team. They're a fun team. I like the sunglasses, you know, we get it. We like it. Um, but NC State's just the better PR of Carolina. We all know this, right? They just had a better PR team this year. Um, and Clemson beat them three times handily. And I watched it every single time. And the fact that they're not in the tournament is a joke. And uh, I don't know who's supposed to be fighting for the ACC. If it has to be me, I'll do my best. But no one's going to listen to me. So uh, we, we need we need somebody. I don't, I'm don't. i yelling at Bubba Cunningham. Somebody in the room. You know, fight for us. Fight help for us. Help <laughs> Uh, going back to the Cinderella, I'm going to have to redo my bracket because I had Drake in the elite eight, but now I have Miami in the final four. So, <laughs> so something, something's got to give, and I'm not one of the multiple bracket guys. Uh, yeah. don't want to get started on that, but one bracket. Uh, but right now I would say Drake is the most likely to make an elite eight run. Uh, but Drake. They just got a bad matchup. Like Drake's better than a 12 seed. Like Drake should yeah. be a 10 seed. You know, that's that's the all the seeding's a little bit off in my opinion. But also, I'm not in on not on the committee. So what can I do? And then we'll conclude the podcast with everybody going through their final four teams 
and then giving their national championship matchup and then national champion Tate do the honors. Yeah, I got uh I got Arizona um coming out of the south just like in 1997 that's the last time they came out of the south. I think they're going to beat um you know Air, uh, Alabama in the Elite 8. Then I think they're going to play Marquette and Shaka Smart um you know in Houston in the final four. And then I think on the other side Miami Jim Laranega they're going to play Kansas. Um, and that's going to be a great game. I think Kansas is going to win. I think Arizona is going to win. I think Arizona is going to play Kansas. I think we're going to get a lot of conversation about Kansas being the first repeat since 2007 when Florida did it. And uh, then all of a sudden, Arizona gets it done because they have a better front court and uh, Kansas doesn't have the depth. So there you go. I got Arizona winning it all. Justin, what about you? Okay. Um, so I've got Arizona making it past Alabama. Um, I've got my sleeper team, Kansas State, right there. I've got Arizona playing against Kansas State. And then I've got a Texas and Kansas matchup again. Um, I uh, don't know how that's going to go, but I have Texas making it out of that game. And then I have Kansas State making it out of that, the Arizona game. So, um, And then I already said I got Kansas State going all the way. Uh, go Tang. Um, so I'm either going to be a genius or I'm going to be an absolute moron when it comes to this bracket. So, uh, But, yeah, that's who I got. Tate, why has Texas matched up so well with with Kansas this year? I mean, it's just because they they're kind of like recruiting the same kid. It's kind of like how Texas matches up so well against North Carolina. Every time we would play Texas, it felt like it was the Spider Man meme. It was like, oh, that guy. I accepted my scholarship before him, and now he's mad that I got to go to Carolina and he didn't. And now he's trying to take it out on me in this one game, and then he's gonna play like ass the next five games. Like, you know, the I saw Kerwin Roach do that to Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, I, I watched that live in person. So true, and it's. And it's fine, and I, and I watched it in the Maui Invitational in 2020 when they played each other, and I saw Matt Coleman hit the shot to beat Carolina, right? And Matt Coleman's like, y'all should have taken me. I'm like, <laughs> can we start taking these guys? Like, <laughs> we just put them on the bench? Stop letting them go to Texas. Uh, so I think Kansas has a little bit of that same thing going on. So it's a little bit of, uh, you know, guys wanted to play at Kansas, and now they're mad, so they, they play harder. A side note about that Texas-North Carolina game. Uh, there was one game since starting at inside Carolina that we have live streamed our reactions for a watch along. And it was that Texas, North Carolina. game. It was in a four box watching the game at different points. Me, Justin, Kenny Williams, Marcus page, all reacting to that buzzer. Peter. Yeah, that was, Oh yeah. The, the Asheville game. Yeah. That was insane. That was the race of 69 too. That was like, uh, it was like on brand. I had like people yell. There was no fans in there either. Right. Cause it was, the, it was the pandemic. So it was like 15 people in there. Roy's just got like, you know, his head down in his hands. And then like the, one of the operations guys like yelling at me, he's like race of 69. I'm like, I hate this guy. He's like, get this guy out of here. Oh man. That was terrible. To conclude it, I'll give my final four. I have, Alabama coming out of the South. I had Marquette coming out of the East. I switched it because I'm, I feel a Duke run is inevitable. Uh, so I'm just, I'm hedging, I'm hedging my happiness because I'm in all these prize pools. So if, if Duke makes a run, at least I could hope for some money, either hope for some money or hope for a, a, a Duke loss. But right. uh, my, my cheering interest during this tournament is Oral Roberts, Tennessee, <laughs> Uh, Louisiana, the winner, and then just keep kind of going on from there. Right. I have Texas coming out of the Midwest, and then 
UCLA coming out of the West. I, I stuck with UCLA, uh, kind of like you, Tate. They, they were my champion before uh, Clark got hurt, but I'm going to stick with them. And then in the championship game, I have Alabama versus Texas and mm. Alabama coming out on top. I think Alabama just has uh, a little too much talent. I think they're the best team I've seen. And I think from every team I've watched, I think Alabama has a gear that other teams don't have. I agree with that. I think they have the highest ceiling and you know, what's the irony of it all is that Carolina should have beaten them. You know, that, that is, uh, I think that is something that's going to break my brain the entire off season that they had so many chances to win that game. And now Alabama is, you know, on their path to a national championship, make it make sense. It doesn't, but appreciate everybody who has watched or listened to this happy tournament Eve, happy March madness to everybody who's still going to choose to celebrate. I'm, I'm choosing to celebrate college basketball. I love the sport, love the game, uh, but appreciate everybody watching or listening. Appreciate Justin. And then of course, appreciate Tate for, for coming on. Really enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah. Appreciate you. Man.